Welcome to The Other Side. I'm your host, Raja. On The Other Side, we provide a fresh perspective on American politics by centering BIPOC and other minority voices about issues that affect us. These voices often get ignored, despite being some of the most vulnerable groups affected by repressive politics. Today, we will talk about election and the role played by local organizers of color in ensuring President Donald Trump's defeat. His restrictive immigration policies, stance on racial justice, vocal disdain of the Affordable Care Act, Muslim ban, and overtly racist demeanor at multiple occasions are just some of the examples of the reasons why BIPOC and other minority communities felt particularly threatened under his presidency. However, when celebrating Biden's victory, the role played by local BIPOC organizers is often ignored. Without their mobilization efforts during a pandemic, this victory may not have been possible. To elaborate on this, we have An Nguyen, who is a field organizer with Viet Lead, who does hyper-local organizing within the Vietnamese diaspora in Philadelphia. Joining us in our recording seg- recorded segment is Nancy Wang, a field organizer for State Senator John Cain's campaign, which flipped a 150-year-long Republican district in this recent election. Nancy has also worked as an organizer for Bernie Sanders' campaign in Nevada and New Hampshire. Okay, Ayn, what are you feeling post-election? I feel jubilant about the election results in Pennsylvania, although I am cautious and a little pessimistic about the current trajectory of the country and of the current administration uh, not willing to transfer power peacefully. Uh, But anyhow, I felt that we had a very strong ground game to bring out PIPOC voters in Pennsylvania, and I think that contributes to the election results that we see today. So in your experience with organizing, how do you think it has changed over the past few months, especially due to COVID? Organizing under COVID is extremely difficult. Um, We don't have the opportunities to meet community members where they are, like supermarkets and parks and schools. So now when COVID happened and we started thinking about how can we register new voters, how can we turn them out, how can we educate them, and fighting back the war of disinformation and misinformation from the Trump campaign and the right-wing conservatives, I think a lot of what we did is trying to fill the void of information by being present. So we started going back out again, staying at supermarket to give out masks and hand sanitizers and talk to voters, talk to potential voters about the importance of the election. And then for voter education, we did a lot on creating a voter hotline to always be present and answering questions about mail-in voting or election deadlines. And we also put out a lot of ads on the ethnic media in the Vietnamese community. There has been a lot of misinformation and outright conspiracy theories uh, being published in that uh, in that circle of of ethnic media and so in combating them we're presenting other alternatives to getting news from the source that doesn't get twisted and bent to the will of the people who have total control over those media do you think people are um, less reluctant to talk to you in person due to covid or do you and do you think that online outreach or like outreach through other non-traditional channels that don't involve physically meeting someone? Do you think they've been more successful during COVID? 
I honestly think that neither are the case. I do think that people are the people I met outside who go to the supermarket and still living their life somewhat normally are still eager and open to talking to strangers. What we don't see is the population of people who are terrified of this disease and rather and and shut themselves out from everything and isolating and which is a good thing. Uh, but obviously, they're not being at the places where we want them to be. They're definitely not in the uh, types of social media that we're best at, because. Um, Folks that we want to reach are also low English proficiency, so the kind of Facebook that they use or the interface that they use probably look very different from the target audience that we had for our social media, which is English-speaking Vietnamese immigrants. Um, in terms of social media outreach, Instagram and Facebook are our two main um, platforms. But they skew younger population. They skew English-speaking American-born or American influ uh, like fluent uh, English fluent populations. And so, what we're missing is that giant population of folks who cut out from going outside again and also cut out from social media platform. So, given the election results, what are some things that you would want the current Biden Harris? administration to focus on and how do you think that they can reach out to BIPOC communities and connect with them better? I think the consensus of BIPOC communities after this election is that we're tired of a right-wing government that uh, is anti-immigrant, anti abortions and anti-gay communities and trans communities. I think BIPOC communities are mostly low-income working-class people, especially Asian American in America too, minus the one at the top. So I think the concerns that we have is also very much related to the economy and jobs. Um, so I think the Biden administration could really focus on raising the minimum wage, create jobs through a green new deal, so that everyone could have meaningful uh, employment while we. Move away from a carbon-based economy. Another thing that is very important to BIPOC communities is uh, abolishing ICE. I think at this point we have realized the kind of cancer that ICE become metastasized into, and under Trump it became a ruthless, very terrible, evil organization that do not deserve to get funding from taxpayers every year. To humiliate and kill and deport people who, have, for many reasons, wants to come to this country, um, a Biden-Harris uh, administration should focus on uh, uh, reforms to the immigration pathway to create a an access an a kind of accessibility for people to get citizenships even if they don't have uh, documentations. Um, another thing. That is very important to BIPOC communities is healthcare, and I think a lot of people support Medicare for all, as you know, as we have seen poll after poll on the questions of healthcare for all, and so we should stop, you know, protecting uh, the healthcare industry. They should, they should start to outline a way for us to spend less on healthcare. 
but still have a better or improved results because there's nowhere else in the world where they spend more money than us and have a a, a significantly worse outcome for people, especially PIPOC communities under this coronavirus pandemic who have died and got sick at a significantly higher rate than white and wealthier communities. So in terms of your campaigning, are there any struggles you faced like outside of COVID-19? Like what what are some of the struggles that you feel like you faced as a an organizer within the Vietnamese diaspora? I think the issues that I've faced with is a myriad. It, there are so many problems coming from the lack of infrastructure, lack of funding, lack of trust from communities when you talk to them about politics, so the kind of trauma that never heals in the Vietnamese community after the U.S. intervention in Southeast Asia. And then there's also these, you know, I guess sexual harassment on the job, basically the kind of patriarchy and misogyny that allow men in the community to think they are entitled to your attention. Uh, I had this person who tried to take my mask off one time while I was registering him to vote. And so it's the disrespect and the misogyny is something that I think a lot of BIPOC Uh, organizers deal with because we do have interpersonal difficulty in our communities that we need to address before we can get everyone else support or get their support behind something. Um, But overall, the lack of infrastructure coming from the basic, basically parties in the U.S. just don't care enough about the Asian American vote. They didn't have, either party did not try to make in ways with these communities. And so it's it's up to us, like nonpartisan community organization, to turn out the vote, but without, you know, the infrastructure to bring these passive voters into active voters, our work really just ends on November 3rd, which is not something that I think is helpful for the community. I think civic engagement is an ongoing process that requires multiple pressure points to create a pathway for people to understand the society that they live in and that push them to change it for the better. And so I think this is a lesson for a lot of organizations and political parties to pay attention and to build their ground game from nothing or they will they, or they will risk losing this very key voter populations to the right-wing populist movement that might pop up anytime af- during and after the Biden administration. That was An Nguyen, an organizer with Viet Lead. We will now be joined by Nancy Wang in our recorded session outside as she celebrates the election result. All right, Nancy, how are you feeling post-election? I am feeling, it's, I'm feeling bittersweet because, like, we won our election, but so many Democratic campaigns down ballot sustained heavy losses. So bittersweet. So in your experience, how has campaigning changed in the COVID era? I think 
majority of campaigns went online. Um, so they, they scrapped door knocking. Um, if they were doing something resembling door knocking, it was only lit dropping without the human interaction. Um, the campaign that I worked on was one of the very few that did door knocking operations, and we did that um, against the PA Democratic Party's wishes. Yeah. And do you want to expand a little bit about like the part where you said against the PA Democratic Party's wishes and like kind of like also about other struggles that you faced during like organizing and campaigning during like COVID? Yeah, sure. Um, so the PA Democratic Party was just, you know, worried, overly concerned about the global pandemic. But our campaign, uh, we we assess we assess the risks of like door knocking and not door knocking, um, and we decided to do a door knocking operation because we saw that was the only path to victory. Now that we have seen the results, like nationwide as well in Pennsylvania, uh, my field director was correct. Uh, we felt we did as many safety protocols as we could. Uh, we did temperature checks when volunteers came in. We provided antibacterial wipes and hand sanitizer. Um, so going, um, so answering the question about challenges created by the COVID pandemic, generally in a democratic campaign, the backbone of the volunteer base is like, like older people, especially like middle-aged women. Due to the pandemic, it was really hard for us to recruit consistent door-knocking volunteers. And that is why we had to kind of shift our focus to building a really robust, diverse internship program. Um, yeah, so like 99% of our doors were knocked by like the Gen Z generation. And I think that is very unprecedented compared to like what the usual campaign cycle looks like. All right. How do you feel after like flipping like such a strong Republican stronghold that has been that way since like the Civil War? Again, bittersweet because like we lost like statewide, we lost several states. So Republicans are going to hold the state Senate and the state House. So we are not going to be like able to on gerrymander uh pennsylvania we are not going to be able to like pass the legislation we want like the state senator that i got elected he wants uh the minimum wage to be raised 15 dollars per hour and he's going to introduce that bill it's very very unlikely that that bill is going to pass and that makes me sad um i am thankful to be um able to do one one good in this election cycle i'm just uh, sad that other campaigns weren't able to uh, follow suit. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we talked about BIPOC organizers in Philadelphia and the important role they played in this election. Anne and Nancy both talked about the challenges posed by COVID-19 on their campaigning, and Anne specifically touched on her expectations from the Biden-Harris administration. Nancy, on the other hand, talked about her experience campaigning for State Senator John Kane. It is very necessary that we spotlight these voices as America grapples with racism and bigotry. Catch the next episode of, episode of The Other Side, coming soon, a podcast where we discuss a fresh perspective on politics by centering minority voices. This is your host, Raja Ahmed.